It's Friday, June 16th, Common Sense, Ohio. Steve is not with us, but uh, you got two two legs of the three-legged table. <laughs> Brett Johnson here. Norm Murdoch sitting on the other side of the table. And, jeez, uh, lots of stuff going on. A lot, a lot of stuff. Um, can can if you don't mind, uh, can we talk a little bit about the um, uh, the amendment proposal? Uh, th- there's two amendments that are out there that are coming. Uh, one in August on a special election, and then the next one. Basically, it's a one-two punch. The next one uh, amendment is going to be up for the voters to decide in November. The first one in August, and we've talked a lot about this on the show, is the constitutional amendment to raise the bar to 60% of the electorate uh, needs to approve any changes to the Ohio Constitution. That's going to be in August for people to vote yes or no. So it's going to raise it from 50% plus one to 60%. Plus, you have to have... Uh, at least one vote on this in all 88 counties. They threw in a couple other little things. And I guess the idea is to make sure that the citizens, so somebody can't come in and supposedly just spend a lot of money and buy a constitutional amendment during a special election. The idea of raising it to 60% is to make sure that the public is very, very informed about the proposed amendment. Right. And and, right. and, uh, and it is interesting to note that on, on, in the federal system, it takes 60% of the states to approve a change to the U.S. Constitution. So I think LaRose, uh, Secretary of State LaRose, and the proponents of the August um special election, the amendment on the ballot, I believe that they maybe modeled it in some respects after that precedent. So at least the numbers, at least the numbers, I can see right. where right. that just, that I can see the explanation of why 60 and not 55, right, not 65. Right, right. So, so I, yeah, I see that trail at least. And but, I, yeah. I guess the idea would be that then you have, you know, not quite two thirds, but you've got a bigger proportion of the population saying, okay, we understand the issue. We're voting in favor of it. And, an overwhelming majority says, yes, we want this either deleted or added to the Constitution. Right. So right. that's coming in August. Yeah. And as we've discussed, Brett, mainly that has been proposed and that is on the ballot in order to try to defeat what is coming in November. Correct. Which is an amendment by pro-abortion interests, in particular the ACLU, which is financing and actually wrote the um, the issue, the amendment that, that people are going to vote on, the ACLU is deeply involved in, in, uh, in this process. And um, what that is going to do, um, and I have been using a website, which I'll give, and people can check this out and, and decide on their own, is a, is a group that's against the abortion amendment. Uh, called protectwomenohio.com. And uh, if you go to that website, it will give you a, a list of what they contend 
and I believe they're correct, so I'm, I'm standing with them. What they contend are the dangers of the pro-abortion amendment. And, you know, this sounds odd. I wish it was just about abortion, but when they go through the language of the amendment, it is very clear because they use they don't use the word woman, they use the word individual person. They use uh, language about having to do with reproductive issues, which covers um, gender changing, because nothing touches on reproduction more than changing your uh, ability uh, to, you know, produce an egg or produce sperm. So gender identification then gets brought in vis-a-vis this amendment. And also there is parental secrecy provisions uh, having to do with children that are above uh, age 12, I think it is, or 13, but it's, it's 12 or 13, that by virtue of other decisions around the country, those children above that age will be able, school districts, for example, or counselors, will be able to legally hide from the parents that their children are seeking gender reassignment counseling or hormone blockers. Mm -hmm. And then finally, and I'll let you talk. I I apologize. No, no, no. I'm kind of hogging. No, I love love setting the groundwork of what this is because I had read that. Yeah. I I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of this was a surprise to Mm -hmm. me because I thought it was just straight up abortion. That's what it's been talked about. That's right. And I think think that according to Protect Women Ohio, according to them, when they talk to women who are uh, pro-choice, and they find out about these other things, uh, they're against, uh, many are against this amendment because it covers other subject matter. Um, So finally, the other thing is, in the language, they talk about no burden shall be placed upon a person seeking reproductive um, surgery or reproductive uh, decisions. And that language mirrors a whole bunch of cases, again, from around the country, that when you say in a law that there shall be no burden, that means taxpayer funding. That also means compelling insurance companies who now, some insurance, you know, there's obviously religious organization-based insurance, some insurance, some insurers will not cover abortion because of religious beliefs or ethical beliefs. Mm -hmm. And this law, because it says no burden, by virtue of other decisions by other courts, will probably end up meaning that taxpayers will have to pay for gender-changing surgeries, for abortions, for, you know, all of these other issues, including children who are not yet 18, that are older than 12 years, and uh, seek... um, behind their parents' backs seek to have either an abortion or some sort of gender changing or gender identification uh, medical assistance. So I just want to lay that out so that people know uh, what's coming. Um, Right now in Florida, identical language is on the Florida ballot for Florida voters, again, the ACLU, but the, the ACLU draft 
resolution that is before the uh, proposition that is before the Florida voters has left in the parental notification law in Florida. The Ohio one doesn't have that. Hmm. That's the that's the only difference between the two ballot measures. So in Ohio, we will have a much more aggressive if it passes in November, if people if, you know, and that's why they want to raise the bar to 60 percent. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, and I I've been on record with the podcast. I still don't agree with this whole notion of moving it to 60 percent. And a lot of it, as you just mentioned, it's supposed to stop or at least, I'll I'll just say stop, special money's coming in to influence us about amendments. Make it harder, yeah. That's what we're seeing coming in to influence us to pass 60-40. Yeah. (laughs) So it's ironic. It is ironic. It's it's totally ironic. Right. Um, So, yeah. I, I, I personally don't think it's justified as of yet. And, and, and going to your point of what this uh, – uh, I'm not real happy with LaRose because he came out bold, bold-faced at the very beginning saying this is not about abortion. And now he says it's about abortion. Yeah, so he, he bold-faced lied about it, Yeah, he, he which I, I think is horseshit. It, you know, it's like if, it's, if it is, it is. Yeah. You don't have to dance around it. And now all of a sudden that all the, the, the wagons are in line, now you say it's about abortion. Well, that, that, that's right. Now – I don't like that about that. I mean, I like the guy. I just like, what? tell the truth. Just tell the truth, you know, because it was that factual. But this is really enlightening about what that amendment for a November election. Right. That I wonder, wait, all the nuances you're talking about, I wonder if it's just going to be too convoluted that it won't pass just because it's too much. It's yeah. too loaded. It goes too. It's too loaded. It goes too far. Because uh, I would think pro, um, pro-choice pro people may not even agree Right. With the gender stuff. Oh, oh exactly. They, they're they're, they're going to say it's going to go too far. We, exactly. As most amendments are, yeah. don't pass the first time. Yeah. It's going to get the, – the, 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 the gambling, the everything that we do with amendments don't seem to pass the first time because they're too convoluted, too confusing, and people just go, I, I don't – no, I'm not going to because that piece is in it. Right. Water it down. Take that, 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 and out. Right. I, then I'll vote for this. Right. The, the gender stuff's a totally different matter. Yeah, the parent, honestly, the parental, uh, the 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 idea that you can um, treat and counsel and medically serve uh, minors behind the backs of their parents, yeah, is yeah. is. Yeah. I'm sure that's objectionable to many pro-choice right. advocates. Well, and, and and the part that you said too that you know there will be no. Basically, we're going to pay for this because yeah. uh, no financial burden. No, no burden. So. You know what's going to happen then? Oh, insurance companies are going to dump a bunch of money into this, saying don't don't pass us because we're going to be burdened, or it's going to ruin not ruin, but possibly make a bad situation of insurance companies here in Ohio. Well, we they're, they're d- going to drop clients. They're going to drop people, or they're going to have or to, not work in Ohio, or they're going to have to raise our premium, or that too, they're, which almost certainly a, will happen. It's a this happens, this happens. That's right. It's, yeah. it's, it's I so, mean, the money, the the insurance companies aren't going to take the hit to their bottom no line. No way. They are going to pass no along the cost of this to the taxpayers and for those people who are uninsured or underinsured, if the law says there's no burden upon them, then the taxpayers will have to pay. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to come out of the state budget. Either way, we as taxpayers or rate payers, you know, for our insurance, 
the other citizens of Ohio that disagree morally or ethically uh, or, you know, have, have a, are not pro-choice mm-hmm. are going to end up paying for abortions and gender reassignment um, uh, services right. uh, of all kinds. And, uh, it, and, it and is I, gonna, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the mindset of, of, of a lot of pro-abortion people if they're willing to say the state should pay for that. I don't know. Right, I, I right, don't know. Right. I, I think it's the right to it, a, cho- a choice. A, a is, choice is one thing. It's, who pays for it is, is a second, another. Is exactly. Another thing. And right. as a state advocated that that's a right. that's a slippery slope too in right. regards to okay, I yeah you can because you're a person, but right. I don't necessarily want to have my money sure. paying uh, supporting you aborting. Right. It's kind of like so um, that, it's kind of like a lot of thought process. There's a lot of things that people need to be thinking about. On yeah. You know, it's it's a little bit like uh, cosmetic surgery uh, arguments revolving re- involving things like uh, breast augmentation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that is elective surgery. That is something that you do. Please, I don't mean this word, you know, like if somebody had a mastectomy mm-hmm. because of a, a medical thing, then you're restoring them back to uh, their appearance. Mm-hmm. That should be covered. Sure. Right. Yeah. But if somebody wants to augment for vanity reasons, I don't see the insurance companies or the taxpayers having to pick up that bill. I mean, that's kind of like that's not medically necessary and you're not restoring tissue for somebody who had cancer, mm-hmm. you know, or something along those that, lines. That, that leads to a mental well-being, possibly. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're, you, I mean, that's to me, it's like uh, sewing a finger back on if you if you chainsaw off part of your hand. Yeah. Well, they're putting something back that was removed and it was removed for a medically urgent reason mm-hmm. and yes that should be covered yeah i or, agree no i agree i agree so uh, it's yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of like who, who, who picks it up you know who wow. picks who picks up that burden um you know the other thing is that 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 i think you know regardless of how you feel about this the legislature in ohio and the governor resolved Ohio's position um, even before Dobbs was decided, which overturned Roe. And that was the six-week heartbeat bill, Mm -hmm. right? So that's now law in Ohio. Now, I I think a federal court still has that under, uh, they froze that until some, uh, some litigation is resolved. But our legislature addressed abortion, has a position, the people elected, you know, the, the 99 uh, House members and the 33 senators, and they had hearings. They passed that law. Governor DeWine signed it. And so the Ohio people have, you know, the people of Ohio have, through the representatives, spoken on the topic mm-hmm. of pro-con abortion, when it is permissible, when it is not. And, you know, here, here comes the ACLU during... An off-year election, so this isn't a presidential uh, year. Like the governor isn't up. This is an off year. It's 2023, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very light. Traditionally, off-year elections are very lightly uh, attended to by the voters, and and so school districts very famously like to put. Um, 
bond issues and yeah, yeah things you know yeah, fire sure. departments yeah. and you know mm-hmm. that's when they like to do that because mm-hmm. the people who are rabidly in favor of supporting their school or their fire department uh, issue will they will go to the ballot mm-hmm. right but most of us you know collectively speaking most of the 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 electorate will say ah you know uh, the, the president's not on the ballot my senator my my even the house members uh, so no no yeah. real uh, state or federal office holders are going to be on the ballot in 2023. Right. But this measure may change that. It may change because, that. Because, I mean, how many how many things affect us as directly as pro-life, pro-choice? Yes. So, I mean, that, that's a heated debate no matter what. So, so uh, if I can, yeah. I, I encourage people to go to this yes. website. Yeah. Form their own conclusions. Correct. Oh, for sure. Educate yourself. It's protectwomenohio.com. The person running it is Amy Natosi. Um, And uh, Miss Miss Natosi has, uh, there's a downloadable brochure where you can read their interpretation of the ballot initiative on on abortion. And uh, her advice, uh, which I think is advice to everybody. We should all register to vote, and we should then follow through and actually vote either on the day or get a um, you know get a get a ballot ahead of time mm-hmm. or do an early voting uh, opportunity with yeah. some of the boards of elections. Uh, so you know, regardless of how you feel about this issue, I hope people go out and express their view one way or the other well as i've always said too if you don't vote you don't get a chance to bitch and moan about it right you you, you don't have That's to say right. i mean afterwards you, you don't you, really have standing you don't, you don't. Is what you're saying you don't right. yeah. you just you just don't because you didn't participate then you can't complain about the end result That's right though it's but that one vote that does make a difference but it's that yeah you don't go out and do your your civic duty you don't have a, a yeah. I'd like to stand on. I don't want to hear. You, I don't want to hear, hear it. Don't we don't want to hear your whining? Exactly. You know, either participate or you know, uh, you know, and, and that's your right to not participate if you yeah. if you chose so choose to, but don't complain about the result. A vote, a decision not to vote, is in a way a vote. Oh, for sure it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because you yeah. can still go to the ballot box and not hit any button, but one. Just like the old yeah. saying is, yeah. uh, you well, know, sure. silence can be a lie. Yes. You know, by, by, you know, so when somebody says, does anybody know, right? Does anybody know who threw the spitball on the blackboard here, right? And the teacher asks the 31 kids in the class and nobody says anything. They all lied. Yeah. If, if they yeah. knew and didn't yeah. say, they, you know, yeah. constructive oh, yeah. lie. So yeah, exactly. it's, you're constructively deciding yeah. not to vote is a vote. Yeah. I, I let me. I wanted to bring something. An insurance company too. That I thought this doesn't affect Ohio directly, but I think it's really an interesting trend. Maybe is that beginning? It was, I think in May, California homeowners will no longer be serviced by Allstate or State Farm. Wow! New homeowners they'll keep their old policies of those that have it because of what's going on with weather, yeah. as well as other. Yeah. pieces to well they had that ter- terrible fire out exactly there. It, it basically burned down a whole yeah. town yeah from what i'm hearing too i was talking to a friend of mine who's in the roofing industry and she heard as well is that the uh industry building homes out there aren't doing a very good job mm. they're using they're trying to build all year long now she's in the state of washington she's in seattle but it's still that west coast feel 
And she says that they're building homes during weather they oughtn't be building homes. I see. They're just pushing, pushing, pushing. They're using material that's cheaper, the the, uh, the OSB stuff. Yeah, cheap. And yeah. that really, in that kind of situation, shouldn't be. So I think there's a, there are a lot of nuances to why those two insurance companies are pulling out. Yeah, it's yeah. just a real interesting that I, I I wish I had seen. I'm not advocating for or against global warming. I don't mean this, but there was some. Some legislation, I don't know who the guy was. It's a YouTube video I keep seeing pop up every once in a while that, you know, he says that once, you know, if global warming was really happening, then insurance companies would be not insuring and and they would be jumping on board saying, yeah, this is happening because it's costing too much and thinking. You know, know, but but I know this isn't all about global warming. It's about other, and I think there's a nuance to California as well as that in their state law to be an insurance company servicing the state of California, you've got to look back two years, do an average of what you paid out. And yeah. it, it's a nuance of crap I that saw, maybe every state has, but I imagine it's one of those, okay, they're tapping out. We're, yeah. done. We're done. Well, We're uh, done. It, it, so I saw Gavin Newsom recently in an interview talk about insurance for homes mm-hmm. in, in California and uh, two things. Um, that he brought up, which I think are, you know, they're windows into these business decisions. Yes, and, right. One would be, you know, if you if you take a very very small lot with a house and maybe a kidney bean pool in the backyard, say in Anaheim, mm-hmm. as a that house, if you transported it to say Gahanna, right, right, or Hilliard, yep, or Westerville, you know, or even Dublin, yeah, it w- it might be. You know, a $300,000, $400,000 house because it's on a teeny tiny lot. It's in a packed neighborhood with, you know, in a, in a pie-shaped lot around a, around a uh, uh, you know, a circle in a, in a residential neighborhood. And we're talking about like one-tenth of an acre, like a, a really tiny little lot. Anyway, it might be in California a one or a $2 million house, right? right? So the same pack of matches that your kids are playing with while while you're running to the grocery store and they set the house on fire and and run out and watch their house burn down while mommy's at the grocery store, right? It it hits Allstate in California for maybe one or $2 million. Replacement costs. In in Ohio, maybe 300,000, right? right? So the other thing Newsom talked about was Take the example of Florida in the Hurricane Alley situation. There are fewer and fewer insurance companies that'll take that deal too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, you know, just because hey, we pretty much know once every ten or fifteen years we're going to lose that house on the beach. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, it's going to be gone. Right. Right. You know, it's just inevitable mm-hmm. that at some point, you know, a tidal wave or a or you know a, a surge a storm surge or a hurricane wind itself is going to take down, you know, a swath of these homes. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Really, yes. You know, so. yeah. it, you know it is, right. You're exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just, I thought that was an interesting trend. It is. That, uh, it is. you know, how, when does this start to come into, like you said, the economic measures, when does it start to play in the Midwest? That's right. I, yeah. I don't know what. It I, does make the Midwest yeah. more desirable from a cost of living that's point true of view. it does no question about it for sure for i mean sure. we we yeah. definitely are in an area that uh, floods a lot less yeah forest fires a lot less yeah uh, we're pretty earthquake free although we're due for a big one they say but um 
at any rate, yeah, yeah that's pretty much why Intel located right. in right. central it's, Ohio. It's, it's a safer zone yeah. Yeah. <laughs> than anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, let's see here. Um, there is some pretty major news going down at the state house. So by the end of this month, the House and the Senate need to resolve their two different budget bills and give it to the governor to sign. So unlike the federal government, which is allowed to run at a deficit, Ohio's Constitution uh, demands that the budget be um, the budget be met, that the budget can't carry a deficit over year to year. So Mm -hmm. it has to, it has to, the income and the expenses have to zero out or they have to, or there'll have to be a surplus, but there cannot be a deficit under Ohio law. So the Senate version, so they have not resolved the two bills. The two bills are different between the House and the Senate. So they'll go to conference committee and work out the differences. I think most Ohioans want to root for the Senate version. Let me tell you why, Brett, mm. and, and you, you, you tell me what you think. Yeah. So currently, Ohio has four different tiers of income tax rates. The Senate is their version of the budget bill will get rid of two of those and reduce it to a flatter tax, not only a numerically smaller percent of an income tax, but only two levels instead of four. So we'll get an income tax break out of the Senate versus the House. And then the other big thing, and there's, I'm sure there's a hundred other things, but the other really big thing is we all know about uh, education vouchers. So traditionally, how that has worked is you had to be poor. I mean, let's, you know, just economically uh, disadvantaged, uh, a low income person, they had within certain school districts, usually metro districts, they there have been, over the years, various uh, programs that Ohio has put into place, like in Cleveland, where a, a, a family of very modest means, a poor family, would get a school voucher that they could then spend, if you will, at a charter school, a parochial school, or any public school within their contiguous area adjacent to either the district they're in or a neighboring one, okay? And they could take that voucher and go, you know, it was like dollar bills. They could go say, here is my students, my son or daughter's uh, tax dollars that follow that student and give it to that school of their choice. And um, with great success, in other words, parents like that. Right. Mm-hmm. That that is that gives parents choice about shopping for a school. Well, the Senate bill is going to widen that program beyond. It doesn't have to be a low income household. It can be people in the middle class uh, that will then be able to do what rich people are able to do. And that is like, you know, not everybody has the money, for example, let's just say Columbus to maybe get their kid into Columbus, uh, what's it called? The Columbus Academy or whatever oh, right. that, or, uh, say St. Charles, which mm-hmm. is a high dollar school, you know, they'll go to Hartley maybe, or they'll go to, um, one of the other parochial schools, but St. Charles charges a much higher tuition. 
Uh, it's an all-boys school. But anyway, Cincinnati and Cleveland, they have their examples of these academies that are quite expensive to go to. And a voucher program would allow somebody of modest means to at least partway pay for that tuition with the voucher. So, you know, we talk about choice and options. I think my point of view is market forces like vouchers will over time improve. Yes, initially people will say, oh, I don't want my kid to go to Columbus public schools. Maybe, maybe some people will say that. And I'd rather have them go to a neighboring school district like Gahanna or Hilliard or Westerville or to a Columbus Academy or to St. Charles. There might be that initial impulse. But over time, when Columbus's school district sees they're losing pupils because of a voucher program to other schools, it puts pressure on them to improve their reputation and bring and rate. You know, it's like anything else. When you have competition, It Mm -hmm. tends to raise all boats. And, you know, if you're perceived as the worst provider, the worst grocery store, the worst gas station, or the worst bookstore, or the worst whatever, plumber, carpenter, you're going to lose business. So what do you do? You either go out of business or else, you know, you kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you become a better plumber or a better grocery store or whatever it is. So... I think that will happen with some public schools. Some public schools are off the hook. Excellent. Walnut Hills, for example, in Cincinnati is a public school district that is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, National Honor Society people and uh, and scholarships. So with I, I'm rambling a bit, but mm. those are the two big things in the Senate bill, and it'll be interesting to see if they survive the conference committee. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I heard initially about the, the expansion of the voucher um, I, I don't know. I guess I'm on both sides of the fence on that one because I, 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 I see the state failing our schools, not supporting them as much as they could. I don't want them coming in and running them, though, either. But it's that we have in law that they're supposed to do what they're supposed to do, and they still haven't done what they're supposed to do with the schools in regards to funding and helping out. Yeah, I think that our- doesn't mean throwing money at it fixes the problem. I don't mean that. I think I – think, I think Columbus Public Schools has some really smart people there trying to do the best that they can. And it's there there are a lot of problems with every school system. And maybe Columbus Public Schools, as probably Cleveland has them and Cincinnati has them, is is the culture around could be simple as an elementary school that really has predominantly a lot of families that the families just can't support or don't support or help with their kids. They're working three jobs. Or yeah. they just aren't participating in school to help their kids. Yeah, there's a lot to that because I think yeah. the school is its teachers and its parents and kids. Yeah, we and t- when you don't have that connection, yeah. Yeah. the school's going to fail. Yeah, so we have to try. And, and again, like I said, government throwing money at it's not necessarily the answer. No, it's not. It's not. No. And I think there's some really cool programs that are being done at like at Chicago schools and such that are actually lifting and yeah, helping I'm sure there are bad schools yeah. just have not done real well and they're and it's all staged on building up the community. Yeah, I think Obama and so that helps a lot. President Obama's the uh Secretary of Education was one of those uh reform reformers from the Chicago area. 
Yeah. As I yes. recall. Yeah, he that's was right. he that's was right. a very phenomenal uh, reformer, mm-hmm. and he had some ideas uh, that basically never saw the light of day, and eventually resigned. But uh, yeah, and then um, I believe was it was it Governor? Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the governor from Michigan. She came over, and she mm-hmm. was uh, Trump's secretary of education right. and she had some some further ideas so i think i think you're right the 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 thing is that the way education in america has traditionally been funded is at the local level right. off of property taxes primarily and the state of ohio by losing um that massive case the perry county case and having to distribute uh, state funds in a different manner. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be per pupil without any consideration of is that an impoverished county of very low income versus a, a very uh, wealthy county, say with a nuclear power plant or an automotive plant or some kind of, you know, other utility or industry in that county paying huge amounts of, of, in, of, of property tax. And therefore, their schools would get like new buses every two years, whereas in Perry County, it was dirt poor. They were, you know, their, their school buses were dilapidated. Their, their roofs were falling in. They had asbestos mitigation issues, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So what you're saying is, uh, is true. However, with uh, state or federal funding come those strings. I, exactly. And that's yeah. a part that I see you and you don't like that. No. You, you, because you, you want local control. I, yes, there's a piece to it because I don't – the government doesn't know anything about education. Or that locality. They have known nothing. I mean, it might be a farm because uh, community it, it, anything versus it, an, you know, an right. industrial one. Anything that goes through that is dictated by the government that you you need to teach this now or we're going to use this set of standards or, yeah. or testings or whatever. Right. Follow the money. Right, right. You know why they've chosen to go that direction because somebody in some other states advocated this right. this testing system is great. We'll be able to tell you exactly down to the down to the student's brain what they were thinking this morning, what yeah. they had for breakfast, right. why why it's not working right. this test. Yeah, and they sold them a bill of goods. Right, and it gets passed through. Yeah, so the, the, they know nothing. Yeah, around the corner, downtown Columbus, they know nothing about educating. There's they some, don't know anything about it. There's definitely some gray area between, um, you know, a standardized test that doesn't fit uh, the the facts mm-hmm. on the ground in that particular district, and yet teaching that you know two plus two doesn't always equal four, right? Which is absurd. Yeah, which doesn't serve a poor person no. at all. No. I mean, you want them to know math. Right. And not to be taught that math is flexible. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's been proven, too, and this is not on the um, public school le- uh, level, but the college, yeah. that during COVID, the the entrance exams relaxed the ACT and SAT scores Yeah. because of can't take the test, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, and it's working. Now universities are holistically looking at students coming in going, what are, what else are you doing? Right. We're not right. going to base it on if you got a 24, 23, 29, whatever the hell the numbers are for ACT. Right. I I love that yeah. because the you know having two kids gone through it and you have two. Oh, sure. Yeah. That going through those SAT and ACT tests, they come out and say, you will have to probably take this test two or three times. Yeah, it's a snapshot. Which is horseshit. Of, I mean, it, unbelievable. It's a money grab that you you have to literally take this test two or three times. 
it's a snapshot too. Yeah. Of how the student performed on that test that, that day. day. And yes. also, as you know, there are very intelligent, very capable people who do not perform under the pressures of a clock. Especially on a Saturday morning at 730. Well, <laughs> and it's a five hour test because you're doing the whole, you know, the whole gamut of an ACT. You take a, Come on. I mean, exactly. you, dude, you take a, a 16, 17, 18 year old kid and you tell them. This particular day, when you sit down and take this test, after all the prep and all the counseling, if you if you got any of that, right? Because that costs money, right? To, to to take these practice tests or to go to a class, that all costs money. So, assuming you even did all that, you when you put the mountain of pressure on a particular student that maybe has uh, tics or Tourette's or uh, has other kinds of test you know, anxiety, if nothing test, else. Yeah, let's just. Group and yeah, yeah, right. They're autistic, whatever, yeah. and they, they may be a brilliant student and able to answer under other conditions than thinking their entire adult life hinges <laughs> on this one day. Right. It's going to determine the trajectory of the rest of their life. Right, and and, and it's too much. Right, man. it's yeah. too much. Right, because and then you have an hour for this section. There are ninety questions. Right. And you need to answer them all. So if you get through and you see you have five minutes left and you have about 20 questions left, just fill them in. Exactly. Right. Tell me that does not make sense. And you'll have kids that get stuck on Mm -hmm. one question. Right, sure. And and, And maybe they know more about that question than the person who you know, wrote the question. Right. And they're and they're thinking of all the exceptions. <laughs> Why I shouldn't say yes, this always is the case. Mm-hmm. You know, when the amoeba, you know, <laughs> is in a petri dish and it's frozen that it always dies. Yes, no. Yeah. And and yeah. they and they know, well, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> no, exactly. Actually in the Arctic there are some bacteria that are still yeah. alive but yeah. fifty below zero. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, it, and so the kids get stuck and it's really you know, I, I can see taking that score as one piece of design. small piece. It's but an it, aspect. But it's, but it's. Um, look at other things. Look at other things. Plus, I guess I'm singling these two tests out because there is a, a monetary consideration for this. Yeah. Don't you, you, think- ha- you have to pay to take this test. That's right. Where everything else that you do holistically, you volunteer. I think the GPA you, you, is a much better indicator. M- most definitely. Because you know. it's over four years. Right. And it's an average. Right. You know, and it, and it gives you. And then what you have to do is figure out, well, was that student. Now, this is what is not actually, because I've talked to enough college counselors uh, and admissions mm-hmm. officers. They don't rank high schools. But unofficially, if they're looking over, you know, like if 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 a B student from St. Charles, let's say, or Walnut Hills, is before the admissions committee, and that B student would be an A plus at any other school, mm-hmm. but because they go to a a much higher ranked school, um, the admissions staff understands that you got to give them the ability to factor things right and yeah, sure yeah sure. and yeah. it can't just be a numbers thing no it can't and yeah. and, and and luckily that one of many positive things that came out of covid yeah there have been many yeah that's one that yeah. i i love and i keep hearing that yeah, yeah it's really being downplayed and i just i would love to see those two companies just go out of business honestly because <laughs> like, it's just it's just the most stupid thing you know <laughs> and it's gotten worse i mean you know when you and I had to take the test 
yeah, okay, you only have to take it. You take it once, you're done, you know, kind of stuff. And that's that's what's what you look like at the pay. But anyway. Hey, let's yeah. follow let's follow up on this other case. So do you remember that case in uh, Xenia of the transvestite uh, individual? It was a biological man who was very overweight and he was at the YMCA. The YMCA, the right, YMCA right. thing. So Dave Yost, our attorney general, just issued this past week an opinion letter about whether or not companies, uh, cities, mm-hmm. uh, nonprofits could, because the YMCA said, oh, no, we can't we can't tell people which bathroom to use. We don't have the right under the law to do that. Dave Yost just came out with an opinion letter that he gave to the prosecuting attorney in Greene County, hmm. where uh, this matter, uh, one of the YMCAs was located, who wanted to find out was the YMCA staff correct in interpreting state law that they had no right to tell a bio man that he could not use the female restroom, showers, and dressing room? And uh, Yost's opinion said yes. <laughs> At the end of his 30-page opinion or whatever it was, I, I read the opinion, and it's online. You can go to mm-hmm. the, uh, the attorney general's site and read the opinion. But his letter said, yes, uh, you are allowed to distinguish between the bio-sex assignment of individuals. And that that absurd case with this YMCA gentleman uh, who, you know, is pretending to be a woman. I, I'm saying it in a – I'm trying to be a neutral but yet be factual. Um, he, so he still has his male junk. Okay, Mm -hmm. and the judge in that case, it was a municipal municipal judge, refused to hold him uh, guilty because I think he just he in his mind he believed I think is the reason he ruled he didn't see the harm. I think the rest of us think he was wrong on that perception, but his ruling was that his flab he was so grossly overweight that the flab in a, in his opinion a written opinion probably covered his genitalia which i mean it's an absurd kind of decision but Yost, so if he, so if he'd have been in with a towel wrapped around him same scenario yeah i guess uh, or if he but it, but if he had been a thin transvestite and no flab then I guess then under this analysis, the judge would have found him guilty. It, it's just crazy. So Yost, is, so yeah. Yost is basically, his opinion, if you boil it down, says, oh, no, you can, you can, you can in fact, bar a bio man from using bio female facilities. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was important to revisit right. that story because that was the big defense that the YMCA staff raised mm-hmm. is they said, oh, oh we don't want to get into uh, judging people and, and telling them that they can't do something. And, and Yost is saying, oh, no, you have that power. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah, right. yeah right. you can't skate on that anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yep. Let's talk a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, unless you have some. No, other, no, no, it's good. Um about the Trump indictment. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we have some real heavy hitters from Ohio that have either been by virtue of their committee appointments or just have decided to insert themselves into what I think most 
people think is a political prosecution in essence. Um, and I'll get to that. And if people like Senator J.D. Vance, for example, and uh, Representative Congressman uh, Jim Jordan and, and other Ohio congressmen and, and uh, you know, uh, are involved in one way or another in reacting mm-hmm. to the indictment. And some would say persecution, not prosecution of Donald Trump in a very unique and novel set of indictments. So just without my opinion, just to state the facts, he was indicted on 37 felony counts. 31 of the 37 are espionage violations. And six, the other six of the 37, are process crimes such as conspiracy uh, or, you know, uh, other obstruction of uh, legal proceedings and that amount to a felony. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are the accusations. That's the indictment. And as we all know, a grand jury doesn't get information from the other side. It's only the prosecution appearing before the grand jury. So the grand jury hears one side, and the prosecutor doesn't have to call contra witnesses. He or she calls on the witnesses that help the prosecution get the indictment. So there's the old saying in law school, you can indict a ham sandwich, right? Right, sure, okay. Okay, because it's a Mm one-sided thing by design, by design. That's how our system is. Mm -hmm. The grand jury system is one-sided by design. Um, There is a judge in the grand jury room, and if something, according to the judge, is out of order, the judge will step in. But otherwise, it's completely, the prosecutor can present pretty much whatever he or she wishes. So, okay, the uh, the grand jury hands down an indictment, 37 felonies on Trump. Uh, the trial court at this point is going to be in Miami with a federal judge. It'll be in federal court. Trump has appeared already and has pled not guilty to all charges. Um, and at that point, Brett, do you, you know, I'll just, I mean, is there yeah. anything you care to add to that? You know, uh, I, I think um, it's early for me to understand. There's some nuances to this that I'm learning yeah. in regards to what does that mean? What does this mean? What right. does that mean? Right, right. Um, it, it, it sounds as though there needs to be uh, some flushing out of what conversations happened. <laughs> Who told what to whom? Yeah. Who signed off on what that maybe shouldn't have? Or was the information incomplete? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, um, I think the conspiracy stuff is probably a little bit far fetched. Yeah, probably, and that's I think that's just headline making. That's yeah. headline making, and maybe looking at it as okay, those are throwaway charges. Here's what you know. Yeah, here's what we're really going to go after and such. Um, Do you mean the espionage? Yes, the espionage. Yeah. Not, I'm sorry. not not the sorry. conspiracy. Yeah, I didn't mean conspiracy. Yeah. The espionage. The espionage. I said that wrong. I know. I, I think. But, I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I understood. But it's like okay, th- those are probably throwaways. Yeah. Let's get him on this. You know, right. it's it's the well, Capone, <laughs> Capone uh, did a lot of bad stuff, but we'll get him on the tech stuff. <laughs> you yeah, kind of kind of like that. Kind of. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying you know yeah. Trump. Yeah, they didn't get people, ca- they didn't get Capone for uh, yeah. Yeah. for uh, bootlegging. Right. They, they, they didn't get tax. him for murder. They got it for tax evasion. They got it you know? for tax evasion. So you know, they put all put everything on the wall that you can that, that can stick. I guess that right. sort of thing. Um, you know, 
we had, you know, discussions before, you know, going on and just that it's a slippery, this, this is just, it, it's going to be messy. Yeah. You it's going to be messy. And, 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 and it beyond what happens with Trump, what's the next thing that's going to happen? What's it, the next going to, you know, we're just weaponizing the government. The right. When you, stupid stuff. When you are acting out your know. political battle by yeah. indicting and charging and trying to jail your political opponents, yeah. It takes it to a whole nother level. It's a whole different level. So you've and, got in reaction to this, just for example, like for every action, there's a reaction. There always is. Right? You know, that nothing can exist in a vacuum. Yeah. Nature abhors a vacuum. So, so they do this to Trump. And, you know, uh, J.D. Vance, for example. Now, he has endorsed Trump for, for the 2024. Mm-hmm. So... He has decided, and he's very strong, he's done interviews, and he's been very upfront, that he is not going to permit the appointment of Biden DOJ officials, since this matter came from the DOJ, uh, J.D. Vance's way of protesting uh, about the DOJ's behavior in this Trump indictment is he is not going to allow, by unanimous consent, appointments that would otherwise be routine by the Biden administration, meaning that under the advise and consent role in the Constitution, where you take federal appointments to the Senate, you know, like we do with Supreme Court justices, but there are many more other Mm -hmm. kinds of appointments, right? And normally, both sides tend, unless they, you know, unless they really hate the president or or there's some other issue, normally the Democrats with a Republican president will pretty much let him get his appointments, and the Republicans under a Democrat president will do the same. And there's that's just been a longstanding thing where, okay, you get to appoint your people. We're not going to have an individual hearing on every single assistant attorney general, of which there are hundreds, maybe thousands across the country. Well, they normally do that by just reading into the record the names of these people and then Chuck Schumer or Mitch McConnell, whoever happens to be, you know, the leader of the Senate, will just go to the floor and say, here's the list of people. Do I have unanimous consent? Mm-hmm. Right. No hearings. And everybody just says I. Right. But if there's one nay, they got to have hearings. And J.D. Vance said, I'm going to be the nay. Well, and then so now he's playing hardball, right? He's playing hardball because this is politics and, now. And and everybody's probably saying, "Hell yeah, that's what we should do." Yeah, you're slowing the process of due process, though. Do we really want to? Sl- the courts are going to be jammed up. Well, and, nothing is going to get resolved. And here that, we here we go. Right. Yeah, right. there, it's and that and, yin and, and Brett, yang situation. Brett, there's a million other things that they can do. They're exactly so. Right now, I don't know. I took a tour of the FBI headquarters in D.C. many years ago. Mm-hmm. Right, it was falling apart back then. the The building itself is crumbling. Oh no! So, you know, you go in, you take the tour, you see J. Edgar Hoover mm-hmm. stuff, and you you know you see the. They, they shoot a machine gun for you. They, they show you all this cool stuff. And they give you the history of the FBI, and it's really impactful. It's, mm-hmm. you know, in my family, one of my father uh, worked for the FBI for a little bit. So, you know, it, it it's one of those kinds of tours where you have some reverence 
for what that institution, Mm -hmm. you know, at least used to stand for. And I I have some problems with the FBI, you know, in the last 10 years. But I I have reverence for for that institution, for what it stood for, for what I hope it will stand for once again, once it's depoliticized, and for the very straight-laced enforcement of the law that the FBI always did until very recently. Now, that's my opinion. Right. So sure. I just want to say that sure. other people may differ with me, and I'm sure many do. But at any rate, there is a, a uh, there is an expenditure that con- is before Congress on building. I mean, this has been going on for a long time on financing a new replacement headquarters, either on the same land or a, a different site, a new building. Hmm. And under these circumstances, I've heard many of these uh, uh, politicians say, well, they can forget about their uh, appropriation for a new FBI building, given what the FBI did, that raid on Mar-a-Lago and, yeah. and some other things that people perceive as interfering with the process that Trump was doing with the National Archives. They were negotiating in real time right up to the raid. And in fact, the FBI gave Trump's people instructions on further securing the room where these other records were that were in dispute that that were uh, uh, that were being negotiated about, um, and then they raided like you know. And I think some of the reaction by the Trump team has been, well, wait a minute, we were talking with you in good faith about whether this record or that record is part of what we need to give back to the government or not. And we were we were hashing that out. And in the middle of this, Merrick Garland told the FBI, in spite of the FBI apparently blowing back a little bit, there's been some whistleblowers within the FBI that it said the many of the people were uh, were essentially saying we need to slow down. This is not the right way to proceed with a former president. This is a special case under the Presidential Records Act. And we should continue these negotiations. And only if at some point it's very clear that uh, Trump is going to defy uh, the law and there's something, you know, serious uh, enough to national security that we need to raid, we shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. But in spite of that, Garland told him to do it. That is what came from the FBI whistleblowers on this. And so people are saying, uh, that the indictment uh, is unfair uh, in that it is not about the so Jack Smith, the prosecutor, did not he is not suing Trump as a civil matter like the the Department of Justice sued uh, Bill Clinton, they sued George Bush, they sued uh, Obama, uh, they sued uh, you know many of the Richard Nixon, many of the former presidents were, were brought through a civil process, not a criminal process like this, but a civil process under what's called the Presidential Records Act, whereby the president has the right to not only declassify, but also keep all kinds of records for their putative presidential library, for their archives, etc. And naturally, that's in dispute with the National Archives. That's fine. You know, I could see a lawsuit or I could see civil actions brought. um, But I think a lot of the American public is saying, well, wait a minute. You you impeached Trump 
because he picked up the phone and asked that his political opponent, Joe Biden, be investigated by Ukraine. Okay, and so you you thought that was outrageous that he would in that he would involve himself in something potentially involving his political opponent. Okay, but at this, but now now with Trump being Biden's political opponent, Biden's administration is prosecuting Trump in essence doing the very same thing that Trump was supposedly impeached for. Biden is doing the very same thing using not Ukraine, but the organs of the United States federal government. Right. So there are a lot of issues. There, there was also the piercing of the attorney-client privilege. And during the grand jury process, some of Trump's attorneys were brought into the grand jury and forced by the judge to answer questions about what should have been confidential communications between an attorney and a client. And so that is in dispute. Um, so at any rate, um, many, many former federal prosecutors um, have laid out all kinds of problems with this indictment. And it seems to me that probably, Brett, this issue will not be resolved yeah. in time for the election. Yeah, yeah. There, were, there was going to be so much maneuvering, mm-hmm. so many hearings so many um, decisions. I, I heard Alan Dershowitz, the former Harvard professor, was talking about just finding jurors who are able to hear national security documents that are going to be brought forth in this trial. They're going to have to vet the jurors for their background on whether or not they're compromised. They're also going to have to they're going to have to vet the attorneys and the prosecutors for the same thing because they're now going to be reading classified documents, right? Yeah. And so Dershowitz is saying that'll take a year right there. Yeah. So more than likely, this is Norm now playing Kreskin. So mm-hmm. I got my crystal ball, <laughs> right? I am saying more than likely. It's not going to be resolved. We're not going to have a trial. We're not going to get to a resolution on this espionage case right yeah right which is a joke we're not going to get a decision until it it, it won't happen before we have the election next year is what i think and if a republican replaces biden whether it's trump pardoning himself or nikki haley has said she'll pardon him Mm -hmm. vivek ramaswamy here from upper arlington Mm -hmm. in ohio he said he will pardon trump and there is pressure now on pence and you know, Chris Christie and the whole, the rest of the gang, uh, Tim Scott, he said he's, he'll pardon Trump. Yeah. No question. You know, it would be really interesting if, if holistically the next president, let's say it's a Democrat, whatever it is, whoever right, it is, that, right, you know, right, you know, right. pardons Trump. Oh, I think, wouldn't the move of the century be right now for Biden to pardon Trump? Because it would show Biden has a big heart. It and, shows and Biden respects the office, office of the presidency of the president because and, he and, could get caught up in that right web as well. Oh, absolutely. Or any future Democrat absolutely. get caught up in that bullshit. Well, I mean, he's got the web. Cor- the Corvette garage records, right? Yeah, the records at Penn State. I that that would be amazing. I, I know he'd be. True Blue would probably say, "Oh, they'd have a cow. They, they'd have a cow. They'd, they'd say you're cow. shooting your own foot." But it's like, good God, the guy's 120 years old, right? Pardon the dude. Right. 
Biden's done. Yeah. I mean, if he gets another four, his his political career is done. And let's face and, it, Trump Trump's old also. Right. Right. I mean, just he, pardon the dude. Yeah, just I mean, pardon the dude. I mean, it's ridiculous it, at this point. And respect the office and forget right. about the guy. Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon. Right. And he didn't wait until after a trial. Just he did it before Nixon was ever tried. Right. He just said, really, the country needs to heal. We need to get over this we need to and get pan- stop the insanity. Stop the insanity. But I think they get all, it's that now, Washington now, belt, they get all hot fired up about it. Now, uh, Ford did that, and then he didn't get reelected. Then, well, right? I mean, maybe that, we didn't need him in there either, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I mean, no. because he took over when Nixon right. resigned. Yeah. Gerald Ford became, right. he was vice got, president, got the then became and, president. Right. He got ran the, for election, won the first time. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. It, and that may not have been him. Oh, hit. excuse me. He did not win. No, he did win. No, no, no. He had yeah. the two the remaining yeah. two or a year and a half. That's right. It was, and that's right. And then he lost to Carter. Yeah, that's yeah right. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. The, the, and that's probably why. I think the, maybe, American, could the American people still had the stench yeah, of Watergate maybe, in their mouth. Maybe. And they just said, you know what? But Ford we, did the right thing, though, I think. Oh, my God. You, you got to get over it. You got to. Can you imagine yeah. Richard Nixon and Leavenworth? Yeah. Former president, yeah. the guy who ended the Vietnam War. Right, we're going to put him in prison. Yeah, the guy who opened up, you know, relations to China because yeah. we had, you know, following the Korean War where we fought China in a hot war. Our relations with Mao at that time were very, very strained, like they are now. Mm-hmm. Once again, because Xi is very aggressive. Yeah. Well, we'll keep updating on that because I think that it's it's a very nuanced case. <laughs> right. And and just. What I, I I like our perception and, and and looking at it as what if this what if that right and these you know what what could happen yeah so, yeah that's that's gonna be uh, there was a yeah. terrible um, so we talked about the death penalty uh, in a, um, a two shows ago mm-hmm. with uh, Paul Scarcella um, uh, an expert uh, an attorney assistant attorney general here in Ohio and. And that was a great show. I encourage people to go to the website and download that show. It's a great show. Um, We just had, in the last couple of days, a Claremont County man, 32 years old. This, I I can't, almost, I can't say the words. He shot and killed his three sons, Mm. you know, little boys. And he shot his wife. She did not die, but his, his three sons did. And I'm just thinking, man, you know. If they, if they ever use the death penalty again, I, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you three, you shoot your three sons. I know. And, and I think that episode really dives into that. Every case is unique. Yeah. Does it do what it's supposed to do? And yeah. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Or is there, yeah. What, so do, you we'll, do? what do you do? I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. What do you do? I mean, obviously the guy's got to screw those. Well, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I mean, unreal. But, yeah, it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, know, if you're done being a father and you hate your wife and you and, and you yeah. and you and you despise the fact that you have mm-hmm. these dependents, hey, go get counseling, walk away, get a divorce. I just w- yeah. why would you kill your sons? I, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so monstrous. It, it's hard to get your head wrapped around. I hate to end the show, but now, but on a on a downer. But but, but, but I but you're right. I'd encourage anybody to listen. To that episode is really good because it, it gets you thinking. Yeah, about the death penalty. Sure, got me thinking. It does, it yeah. does, in regards to what what it does and doesn't do, and then then you have this situation. Yeah, about okay, re, it reopens that thought. Man, what you're you're know? just thinking, you know, back in the old days, Daniel Boone days. 
Hey, boys, go get a rope. Yeah, exactly. Honest to God. I know. Right. A I guy know. a guy wipes out his family. Mm. They'd have just hung him. It's done. Yeah, it's done. They'd have just hung him. Yeah, exactly. They'd had a quick trial. You know, did, yeah. he, did he do it? And the guy probably say, yeah, I did it. Yeah. You know, go ahead and hang me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he wants it done anyway, probably. probably. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How horrible. Yeah. Well, uh, we haven't updated blogs in a bit, but we'll, I know I'm, I'm working on one. It just doesn't get up there. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're doing a lot better job. I know Steve's going to get up there. But, yeah, we have a lot of information on the website. Please go to it, uh, commonsenseohioshow.com. Um, obviously, we're cranking out episodes here. Um, you got any ideas or would uh, they, you know have an idea for a guest, please let us know. Contact us. We'd love to um, parse that out and, and have people on because, obviously, we're open to guests uh, just to have a really – Good discussion, civil discussion, and walk away from the table. Still friends, but bringing up every angle for any type of topic that makes sense and, and affects us in Ohio. But yeah, commonsenseohioshow.com. Check us out on social as well, too. We try to keep the social media channels uh, busy. Video is probably coming soon. We keep hearing that from Steve, but um, he never turns the camera on. So, you know, you and I get prettied up, but we just don't get the camera on. <laughs> but we'll have him back soon. He was uh, uh, called away. Uh, for this episode. But uh, yeah, check us out. CommonSenseOhioShow.com. And that's all we got for this week. Thanks for listening.